Friends podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy. Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you. So let's do this together. Today we're taking a lesson from one of the most recognizable remnants of the past, castles. We're going to explore how these imposing structures were first built and why they gave us an insight into how to build a solid and lasting life. We're going to find out how to erect a spiritual structure that can withstand the foes and the elements of life's hardships because you don't stand a chance of survival under pressure and suffering if you haven't built in the proper spot, in the right way, and with the right materials. If you want your faith to hold firm when tough times come, you need to make the right choices ahead of time that give you the best hope of defense so that you're still standing when the trouble passes. My hope is that you'll walk away today with some building tools that can help you ensure that your life, like the ancient castles, is built to last. So let's get started. I've always had a fascination with castles. Seeing the ruins of these ancient strongholds always holds a special appeal to me, and although I've yet to visit a real one in person, it's definitely on my bucket list of things to do one day. My fascination was further piqued a few years ago when I discovered that the remnants of a castle owned by my ancestor in the 10 hundreds still stands today, a British National Historic Site and remaining symbol of the Norman Conquest. I always wonder when I watch programs or see photos and books of such imposing bulwarks, what stories those thick-walled places could tell. Imagine all the interesting conversations, negotiations, courtships, marriages, births and wars those ruins could reveal to us. Even with all the research historians do on these places, there's still so much shrouded in mystery that we'll never know about what those castles witnessed but I do let my imagination take over sometimes and try to envision what life was like when lived within those massive structures. The thing about it now is that castles are no longer a common fixture in today's world. Long gone are the days when we built such structures for warfare and safety, and what's left of those ancient ruins is only a tourist attraction. Castles now are more the stuff of fairy tales than everyday occurrence, But if we dive into past centuries, we see that castles were essential to the survival of nations and peoples since before the time of Christ. And those castles, irrelevant though they seem now, actually have much to teach us about survival and where to build our lives so they can outlast the seasons of hardship when they come. Let's look for a few minutes at some of the observations we can draw from these structures and how those can turn into lessons we apply to our own lives. First of all, castles were always built on high, firm ground. If you look at where many castles were erected, it was usually on a hill, cliff, or a high place in clear visibility of any and all intruders. It was vital that those who guarded the castle and its residents were established on solid and defendable ground. 
Building on the low ground would increase the likelihood of a surprise attack or ambush, so most were built on territory that would give the defenders the advantage. Plus, from a high point of visibility, it would be easier to notice and prepare for encounters with enemies since one could see them coming from a greater distance. And because the castles were built for longevity, it was imperative that they be located on ground that would hold firm. If they were built on less prominent, softer ground, the castle could be overrun in a single invasion, or if located on a coast, the castle could be easily washed away in a storm were it built too close to the shoreline. The tide would be its own enemy. Steep cliffs, or crags as they were called in Britain, were often used as an advantage when it came to building fortifications. Particularly when guarding the coast, this came in handy because not only would it be difficult for ships to fire on the castle due to the height factor or distance, but also if would-be attackers really tried to take the castle, they would have to disembark the ship, row into shore, then they would have to scale the steep cliffs or crags in order to even get to the castle. By then, the castle would be fully engaged in defense mode, giving them the defensive edge. Location was huge if one wanted to survive, so one had to choose wisely where to build their structure. One still sees ruins of these castles perched precariously high atop rock faces and cliffs all these centuries later. It appears their strategy worked. In much the same way, we have a choice as to where we're going to build our lives. If we hope to hold out long-term when it comes to a defendable position in our spiritual, emotional, and mental lives, we have to pick the high ground. We have to choose a reliable and firm place to build, which ultimately is Jesus Christ himself. In Matthew seven twenty-four through 27 Jesus tells a parable about two men who had a choice as to where they would build their structures. One wisely chose rocky, firm ground, and the other, sand. When the storms of life hit, both took a beating, but the only one standing at the end was the one that had been erected on solid ground. The other was torn apart and washed away. It's interesting to note the passages that precede Jesus telling this parable. He's gone through an extensive teaching on true versus false conversion, saying that you'll know a real Jesus follower by their fruit. He has cautioned against hypocrisy, saying that you cannot go after others for their faults if you neglect to address your own. He has set forth what we now call the golden rule, where you do to others as you want done to you. And at the end of all this, he leads into the story of the two men building their structures by saying, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, and then everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. He has laid out a clear picture of what the results will be when you do or do not follow the way that leads to life, adding that the way that leads to life is hard and few truly find it. If you build your life on the things of the world, if you try to convince yourself that they can help you survive when enemies threaten and storms arise, you'll be sorely disappointed. All the stuff the world says is important. Money, fame, popularity, athletic talent, career achievement, sex, education, all that won't give you an ounce of protection when the hardships of life arise. The soft, shifting ground on which you planted yourself will give way, causing whatever you've built for yourself to crumble and leaving you with nothing. But if you've chosen to build on high, firm ground, taking the path Jesus has set forth, you will always survive the attacks the enemy puts forth against you and the storms that attempt to bring you down. You'll be in the minority if you choose the life-giving way, 
but you will find your structure still standing when others who chose the easier way are staring at a heap of rubble. Number two, castles were built in anticipation of attack. The purpose of establishing a stronghold such as these castles was ultimately for safety in times of war and prevention in times of peace. During seasons of siege or threat to the surrounding area and its residents, the castle provided a place where people could hide for protection, and in seasons of relative calm, the castle and its military sought to fend off any would-be invaders and give its residents a sense of security. Often the castles were built to be as imposing and intimidating as possible in hopes it would deter any ideas other nations might have of starting a fight with a residing country. A castle existed to defend and protect because nations knew that enemies existed. A weak defense stood no chance against foreign threats, so it was paramount that the defenders be prepared, and this meant having a secure fortress from which to operate. Sadly, in our modern age, we often act like we are surprised by hardship. It's as if we don't anticipate it, don't expect it. We build our lives assuming that we won't be tested, and sometimes we compromise our structures because we underestimate the reality and existence of our enemy and his schemes, and we dismiss the likelihood of suffering ever reaching our door. You must learn to build in anticipation of a fight. Upon entering the army of Christ, the question is not if, but when difficulties will come upon you. Just because you're in a season of relative peace and prosperity today, doesn't mean you won't be faced with great challenge tomorrow. It's literally only a matter of time before you do, and you will not be able to properly defend and resist your life struggles and your enemy's wiles through the power of the Holy Spirit unless you build with the assumption that you are building for war. Unless you equip yourself to withstand the severity of hardship, your structure, however impressive, will fall into enemy hands. Now, while you cannot predict just how and when you will be tested and tried, There are little choices you make in the moments of every day that greatly affect the outcome of your life when you are. The fact of the matter is, adversity is inescapable for humanity. None of us gets through life without some of it. Some people will encounter more and some less, but we all have to deal with it and face it for what it is, and those who choose to build an expectation of it will largely fare better than those who ignorantly deny it and are caught by surprise. Number three, castles were often built in places exposed to severe elements. If you notice, most castles are built on coastlines, points, and places exposed to the elements. In order to defend their homeland and their position, castles had to have the least amount of obstructions to visibility as it would inhibit their defense and make them more subject to attack. So they gave up some shelter in order to survive. They simply strengthened their walls so they could better protect themselves and others. Often when life's winds and rain and winter cold beat upon us, our human instinct is to look for shelter. And when we choose what to build our lives upon, we often look for the most comfortable place, the place with the most protection for when things get hard. We usually don't seek out the most exposed position because it's too uncomfortable. But to those who built these massive castles, the castle itself was the safe place, and as long as you were in it, you stood a good chance of survival. Trees and other obstructions might break the wind or lessen the impact of storms, but they would also produce a greater chance of being ambushed because one couldn't see the enemy as well. Comfort and ease isn't often a defendable position. 
It may protect you momentarily from the harsh weather of your challenges, but it will not suffice in giving you the advantage when bigger threats come your way. When we decide to build on the less comfortable but more strategically wise location, God himself becomes our shelter. God becomes our hiding place, our refuge, our place of safety. The very word definition of a castle is regarded as the private fortified residence of a lord or noble. As Psalm 46 1 states, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. As long as we build where he is, the advantage will always be ours. When we allow him to strengthen our walls, to shore up our defenses when the harsh winds blow or the rains beat down or the enemies threaten, we can rest secure knowing that he will never allow any of those things to overrun our fortification. We may tremble at their severity, but they cannot breach the protection of the Almighty on our position. Contrary to what many say these days, God is not about building in places that seem the most easy or pleasant, but often directs us to build our lives in places that are hard, difficult, and painful. Because He is after our holiness rather than merely our happiness and comfort, He often asks us to keep watch with Him in places most would shy away from. He calls us to stand firm under conditions that cause many to shirk their duty. Most early castles in ancient times were drafty, cold, and unpleasant to reside in. People wrote of how the breeze would whistle through wooden shutters, of how people slept on hard benches or rough mattresses in the great hall near the fireplace so they could be warm. By the Middle Ages, castles had become more comfortable with furnished rooms heated by large open fires and lit by candles. Still, it was far from the lap of luxury we would consider a home to be today. Indoor plumbing and flush toilets were hundreds of years away from becoming commonplace, so these ancient fortifications often build up a long stench over time. Sanitation was also a problem as fresh water was sparse, and mold, disease, and insect infestation was a regular occurrence. While these physical issues are no longer an everyday problem for most now, the analogy can still be drawn that while being in the castle with Jesus is the safest place, it does not mean life will be a luxury. We will suffer, and life will sometimes be very hard. But our loyalty to our Savior is proved not in the situations where we're most at ease, but in the times where our dedication to Him is most tested, where love and service to Him is a choice of the heart, even when the flesh would call and pine for an easier way. Number four, castles were not often erected quickly. Unlike a makeshift fortification which can be put up quickly, but with minimal protection, castles often took years to build. By the time a proper site was chosen and prepared, building materials were brought to the site and laborers hired, Work in the castle would take anything from 5 to 20 years to hundreds of years to complete, depending on the availability of materials and laborers, both of which were often impacted by wartime. If the country was in the midst of political upheaval or war, progress would often be interrupted until peace returned. One must also remember that all this labor was done by hand, so hauling and handling all the materials and craftsmanship had to be painstakingly done, which added to the length of the process. To properly build a castle that would last, it took time and lots of patience. Preparing a proper defense for your life takes time too. No long-term stronghold is erected overnight, and if you're building a life that will last, it's going to take time. A lifetime to be exact. You'll always be in some form of maintaining and strengthening your defenses, shoring up your walls and adding to the already existing structure of faith that you have. Like the castles of old, 
You begin with little following Christ's blueprint for a solid structure of belief, which is his word, placing one little piece together at a time until, over time, you begin to see the fortification come together. As the months and years go by, you start to notice the walls growing higher, the structure becoming more and more secure and solid. And as the process continues, you see it holding up under fiercer and fiercer conditions, proving its soundness. Often when enemies notice a fortification being erected, they will often try to attack where there is little protection available, when the walls are not yet high and imposing, when work is slow and arduous, when the process is tedious and menial, they will try to strike at the weakest point and do anything to discourage the process. Think of Sanballat in Nehemiah chapter 4 when he taunted and challenged the Jews as they attempted to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Day after day the Jews were teased and laughed at by their enemies, leading them to discouragement and weariness. Eventually they came to Nehemiah and said, Our enemies are all around us. They're everywhere we turn. Nehemiah then strategically placed certain individuals and families around the structure and armed them with swords, spears, and bows. Praying to God for his protection and help, he told the people not to be afraid of their enemies, but to trust in the power and greatness of the Lord. And he told them to fight. Even though the wall was half completed, he still told them to fight with what they had and to trust God. Sanballat's tactic is one foreign threateners have employed for thousands of years. Catch the builders at their weakest point. If we can get them discouraged, they will quit and the building will cease. Our great enemy's approach is often the same. He will not threaten you in a time of comfort and ease, but if he sees you building your life actively in the name of the God you serve, if he sees you fortifying your walls in anticipation of attack, then you can be assured that is when he will attempt to assault you most. You must be prepared for a long haul if you make the choice to build your life upon the rock of Jesus Christ. It will often be an arduous task, beset with many setbacks, delays, discouragements, and challenges, all designed to test your will to fight, your loyalty to the Lord you serve. And you must be prepared to be taunted, attacked, and tested as you go. If you want your spiritual structure to stand, you must put in the work and follow the plan, regardless of how long it takes. King David, a man familiar with the art of war, used the analogy of a military fortification often in his psalms and songs of praise, as evidenced in 2 Samuel 22, after his having been delivered from the hand of Saul. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior. From violent people you save me. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He rescued me because he delighted in me. With your help I can advance against a troop. With my God I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is a God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight and destroyed my foes. They came trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be my God, 
my rock, my savior. Centuries later, in much the same spirit, a young monk named Martin Luther, who himself took refuge in a 16th century castle in Germany while hiding from his own enemies, would write one of the greatest known hymns in the history of Christianity. Perhaps he envisioned a similar stronghold when he wrote, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. If you are going to build a life worth living, a life whose legacy will remain long after you are gone, you need to build correctly. You need to choose the high ground, the firm ground. You need Christ as your foundation, and you need to select a building site that is defendable and strong. You need to build under the assumption that you will likely be building for war, even if you are in a time of relative peace. You need to anticipate attack from your enemy and from those who hate God and want to witness your downfall. You need to not be afraid about building in exposed places, in areas of discomfort where the elements will rage and conditions will be less than ideal. Your loyalty and commitment to the Lord for whom you build should trump any fears of destruction, even when the storms rage and the castle shakes. God himself is your refuge and you will be safe. Don't shy away from difficulty. That is where God's greatest soldiers and labors are made. Lastly, realize that you will likely never see the end of what you've started to build. For the rest of your life, you will be in some form of addition or repair, and in all honesty, the solidity of your structure won't be known until after you are gone. If you built right, future generations will be able to reap the benefits of your life long after you have left this earth. But if you fail to keep laboring for your king, if you fail to keep watching for attack, if you fail to keep fighting for his cause... If your spiritual structure falls into disrepair or, God forbid, into enemy hands, there will be little left for others to appreciate and learn from. The only story that will be left will be remnants, remainders of what was, of what could have been, ruins that once showed such promise but couldn't withstand the tests of time. Don't be among those who abandon the building project and convince themselves it's too hard. Don't become so consumed with the idea of comfort that you leave the battle for a life of ease because it seems the less difficult thing to do. Don't settle for building in a place that can easily be overrun by the enemies of your faith. Rather, build your life upon the truth, upon the sure rock of Jesus Christ. Build something that can stand the test of time. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at OpenToGrace2015, Instagram and Parlor at OpenToGraceAlaska, and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are. Thank you.